As a preliminary matter, I want to begin by telling you a little bit about me. I'm doing this because I think it's important for people to know a little bit about the person who is presenting to them. If you were here for the first episode of this podcast, this will be a review for you. But I'm going to do it in each of the first three episodes so that new listeners can learn a little bit about me. I was born blind. I am a member of the American Council of the Blind. Currently, I live in Portland, Oregon. Oregon is the fifth state I have called home. Some of my interests are I love animals, I'm a huge sports fan, and I'm an avid reader and writer. Qualifications. I have a law license from Massachusetts. I have been certified as an ADA coordinator by the ADA National Network and the University of Missouri, and I'm a certified professional in accessibility. Professional background. Currently, I am the disability analyst in Portland Parks and Recreation. Prior to that, I worked as the ADA Title II Policy Analyst for the City of Portland. Several years ago, I worked as a contract attorney for disability rights advocates in Berkeley, California. And before that, I worked as a staff attorney for what was then called the American Bar Association's Commission on Mental and Physical Disability Law in Washington, D.C. Presentation Roadmap This is a list of topics that we are going to cover in today's presentation. The Code of Federal Regulations Defining a Public Entity Project Civic Access ADA Coordinator Notice of Rights Grievance or Complaint Procedure Self-Evaluation Transition Plan Now, I want to pause and say that that may sound like a lot of information, but in order to effectively advocate for yourself, whether it be filing complaints or asking for an accommodation, you do not have to memorize all of this. I am doing this so that you are familiar with these topics when we get into episodes where we are actually practicing filing complaints and asking for accommodations. I believe it's important to have an idea of what the law says, but you don't have to know everything. You can look it up by the section of law, as I said, and we will go through how to do this kind of advocacy in future episodes. So let's start with the Code of Federal Regulations. The law does not often contain all of the things that are required to satisfy the law. Congress regularly directs federal agencies to promulgate, or what we may call develop, the law requirements. Under the ADA, several federal agencies have developed what it means to comply with the law. 
When a federal agency establishes what constitutes compliance, those requirements are published in the Code of Federal Regulations. When I cite to a section of law, either during these episodes or on the Demand Our Access website, I will almost always be citing to the Code of Federal Regulations. Often, the Code of Federal Regulations is referred to as CFR. When I refer to a section of CFR, I'm referring to a section in the Code of Federal Regulations. Defining a public entity. A public entity is defined in 28 CFR Section 35.104. Section 35.104, in case you're interested, is a listing of definitions under the ADA. The definition of a public entity has three parts, and it's primarily the first two parts of this definition that interest us. Any state or local government, that's the first one. And the second one is any department, special purpose district, or instrumentality of a state, states, or local government. The third part of the definition of a public entity is the National Railroad Passenger Corporation and other commuter authorities. Now those other commuter authorities are described in other sections of the law, but we don't need to get into those because for our purposes what we really mean is that all of your train, bus, your paratransit, all of those services are covered by Title II of the ADA as long as they are instrumentalities of local governments and that kind of thing. All public entities with at least 50 employees should appoint their own ADA coordinator and have their own grievance or complaint procedure. Most local governments, if they have an ADA coordinator at all, do not have one in every agency or department. Project Civic Access. Project Civic Access is the primary way the Department of Justice, DOJ, enforces compliance under Title II of the ADA and Title I of the ADA as it relates to public entities. It has conducted audits of communities in all 50 states, Washington, D.C., and Puerto Rico. It has done more than 200 audits of communities for compliance in total. The agreements are posted online to help communities come into compliance with the ADA. The settlement between 
DOJ and the city and county of Denver, Colorado, is representative of what is typically covered. The settlement includes notice, grievance procedure, ADA coordinator, physical access to facilities, web accessibility, and emergency preparedness. Now I'm going to take a pause and see if we have any questions. Okay, with the questions over for now, and there will be another chance to ask questions at the end of the presentation, so don't worry, let's discuss the ADA coordinator position. Information about the requirements for an ADA coordinator to provide public notice of rights and to provide information about grievance procedures can be found in the ADA Title II toolkit provided by the Department of Justice. Now, the Title II toolkit is a bit outdated. It was published about 15 years ago, but a lot of the information is still applicable, but it does not cover all of the things that we would want to see local governments do today. The requirement for an ADA coordinator is established in 28 CFR section 35.107A. Public entities with at least 50 employees must designate a responsible employee. Most people refer to the responsible employee as an ADA coordinator. The ADA coordinator is supposed to investigate and resolve complaints filed under the ADA and to ensure compliance with the ADA. The law does not specifically list any qualifications an ADA coordinator must have. Every public entity with 50 or more employees is required to notify the public of the name and contact information of their ADA coordinator. Notice of Rights. The Notice of Rights requirement is established in 28 CFR section 35.106. The notice requirements apply to all public entities regardless of the number of employees. The notice should include the following employment, effective communication, reasonable modifications, no surcharges, filing complaints. The notice should be published in all facilities on the website and should be included in event notices. The notice must be available in alternative formats, 
So you should be able to request the notice in Braille, large print, email, whatever format basically would make the notice accessible to you, you should be able to get from a public entity. Grievance procedure. The grievance procedure requirement is established in 28 CFR section 35.107B. Every public entity with at least 50 or more employees is required to adopt and publish a grievance or complaint procedure. The grievance procedure is to allow for the prompt and equitable resolution of complaints filed under the ADA. The Department of Justice sample grievance procedure calls for the following. The complaint should be filed in writing. It should include a date and a description of the problem. It should be submitted by the grievant or their designee within 60 days of the alleged discrimination. There should be a meeting between a representative of the public entity and the grievant within 15 days of the complaint being received by the public entity. And there should be an appeals process. If you don't like the original determination, you should be able to say, I don't agree with that, and you should be able to appeal it to a more senior position. All correspondence related to the grievance procedure should be available in alternative formats. So again, the whole process needs to be accessible. If there's an online form, it's supposed to be accessible. If there's a document that, that is emailed, it's supposed to be accessible. If you have trouble filling out the form, they are supposed to help you do that. Self-evaluation. The self-evaluation is an examination of a public entity's activities, programs, and services for accessibility to people with disabilities. The self-evaluation requirement is established in 28 CFR section 35.105. The deadline for completion of a self-evaluation was January 26, 1993. It is required of all public entities, regardless of their number of employees. People with disabilities must be given a chance to comment on the self-evaluation. If a public entity has more than 50 employees, the self-evaluation must be available for public inspection for up to three years after its completion. The self-evaluation documentation should include a list of people consulted with, facilities inspected, and a description of the accommodations made through the self-evaluation process. 
If a self-evaluation was completed under Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973, it is sufficient and did not need to be redone for a public entity to achieve compliance with the ADA. There is no requirement for a self-evaluation to be updated. Before we move on, I want to really talk about those last two points because they are major reasons why, in my view, and again, this is just my opinion, the ADA has failed to live up to its reported promise. And that is because if someone did a self-evaluation under Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act in 1980, they have not had any requirement to update that self-evaluation since then. And we all know how different the world is than the world that existed in 1980. There was no internet. Public transportation wasn't what it is in many communities today. Basically, the world has changed a lot in 42 years. But the law has not forced public entities to re-examine their activities, programs, and services for accessibility to people with disabilities. And that is a real shame, in my view. The law also by not requiring a self-evaluation done under the ADA to be updated, has created many of the same problems. Because if a community did a self-evaluation, let's say in 1992, there was no internet. Again, the world has changed a ton. And the law has, in my view, really failed the disability community in this way by not requiring an ongoing examination of the accessibility of activities, programs, and services. Now let's look at the transition plan, which is our final substantive part of this podcast today. The transition plan is a public entity's schedule to remove physical barriers that must be removed to achieve what is called programmatic access. The transition plan is established in 28 CFR section 35.150D. Public entities with 50 or more employees must complete a transition plan. Transition plans were to be completed by July 26, 1992. All physical barriers to accessibility were to be removed by July 26, 1995. A transition plan should include the following. Identify the physical barriers. Describe how the physical barriers will be removed. Set forth a schedule of barrier removal. And identify the person who will be in charge of ensuring compliance with the transition plan. Now, 
I want to be very clear about this. I am not aware of a single community that has followed the self-evaluation and the related transition plan requirements under the law. To my knowledge, and I hope I'm wrong about this, there isn't a single community that has fully removed all of the physical barriers to accessibility. The vast majority of communities, sadly, have not done a self-evaluation and many do not have a transition plan. If you want to find this out about your own community, contact them. Go to their website. See if they have any information about their self-evaluation and or their transition plan. I think it would be very interesting if people started contacting their local governments and saying, where is your self-evaluation? Where is your transition plan? Where is your notice of public rights? How do I file a complaint? That's why we're here. That's why we're doing these episodes, so that more people can hold their local governments accountable for what is in many instances really heinous and ongoing violations of our civil rights. Because the ADA is a civil rights law for those of us with disabilities. This will conclude the pre-recorded portion of this presentation, but before we go, we will have time for questions.